I want to start with a big question, Finn. Okay. Two big questions. So first, what do you think happens when we die? It depends on the person. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of people, our brains cease to function, our hearts cease to beat. We're put in a box in the ground or we're set on fire and people are like, whoa. Um, and then that, that's pretty much the end of it. But like some people, their brain ceases to function, their heart ceases to beat, uh, and then they become a real cool ghost and torture people for eternity. Uh, and which of those do you hope happens to you? I, I want already just like um, being in like a finite existence is uh, difficult enough. <laughs> okay, I, I w- would not want to extend this into the infinite. But let's say that you're in some kind of accident. You choke on the pepperoni in your one AM sandwich. <laughs> And you die. Please, please stop using real things from my life against me. <laughs> <laughs> then we don't have a podcast. <laughs> then, then there's just nothing. Um, but if, okay, so you die in a regular, non-humiliating way yep. that doesn't reflect on your life at all, so uh, happily in bed surrounded by friends. There was supposed to be a joke, but yeah. it just really, I could see things. Well, I'm just thinking, like, why are my friends in my bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> because you're dying of, like, a terminal but symptomless disease. Oh, thank you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just know you're going to yeah. die. Well, yeah, I've got, like, movie tuberculosis, so, like, once in a while I'll, like, cough and there's a bit of blood, but m- oh, mostly yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually look kind of better than usual. You know, yeah. I've got kind of like a wayfish thing going He's on. A, the Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I'm going for with my tuberculosis. And you're casting a real Paul Atreides over your <laughs> life. <laughs> it's a good trailer, I thought. I haven't seen it. I don't, uh, don't watch trailers anymore. Just try to, except unless I'm at like the movies and I'm forced to watch the trailers. But I just, uh, yeah. just try to, want, 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 you know, want to, go and, want to go and blind to the movies, except with, you know, I want to be able to see things, but I don't want oh, to know yeah. anything ahead of time okay so but so you're surrounded by you've got your movie tuberculosis mm. you, you cough your final breath uh you die and then you awaken in a white void where someone is like okay so you're dead but you can basically interact with the world as if nothing has changed what would you do what would you do with your your powers? I like to think that I'd probably try and keep to myself for the most part. Mm. I I try to live my life by like not bothering people as much as possible. Yeah, and I like to think that even even with the, the, the like infinite powers of heaven at my command, I would uh, I I would I would not be corrupted by that, uh-huh. and I would still just sort of uh, be uh, myself and not fuck with people for no reason. That's very kind of you. And I I've been reflecting on this mm. as you can tell. I've been reflecting on this question a lot and thinking about how what I would do. Uh, if I found myself a, a spectre returned to the land. A ghoul. A ghoul, a revenant. Um, big old see-through Casey Affleck. You know? Um, and what I would... You, you just come back and watch Briar eating a pie for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I've done it before. I'll do it again. Have <laughs> I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was doing other things. I wasn't like... You were just sort of standing in the corner. Yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, ooh, who left this pie here, honey? Oh, it's a. Oh, yeah, but there's a there's something on the step out here for you. It's a. Oh, and I was just walking through the meadow, and old um, Mother Hubbard next door had only left the sweetest smelling apple pie out to cool on her windowsill, and uh, the steam turned into a beckoning finger. 
uh, and I could not help. It literally carried me through the air, and I picked it up. And now I'm just going to leave it here, and I oh, mean, I'm stuffed. <laughs> I would hate for this. Are you hungry? Uh, and um, I won't let her leave the room until she's consumed the whole. It's a yeah. real. A so mix. you 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 leave a room. You you go behind. You're, you're painting with the eyes cut out. <laughs> It's a it's a painting of you eating pie. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. Um, and this is a mixture of my interests in, in both the film ghost story and uh, Bruce Bruce Bog Trotter. <laughs> also, it should be noted that there, there are an awful lot of oil, of like oil on canvas um, uh, self portraits uh, around around your house. I barely need say. <laughs> and behind each of them. <laughs> You can reveal, take out different different parts. There's I. There's one, the apple pie one. If you remove the eyes, I can look through it. Yeah. But um, there's one where I. Uh, it looks like I'm uh, listening, mm-hmm. and you can remove the ear to mm-hmm. listen. There's one where like you're reaching out to grab something, you can remove the arms, <laughs> and then you do like a whose lines anyway bit. Yeah, <laughs> where you're just smashing like just smashing stuff into the painting. <laughs> <laughs> the paint can't really eat it. It's very, and of course, there's the one where you just remove. You'd think it would be the whole mouth, but it's just the tongue. I just want to taste through paintings. Um, that I keep in my library of um, newspapers with eye holes cut out. And of so course, so you, can, so you can spy on people surreptitiously in the streets. I mean, obviously, yeah. like all, uh, I think. Yeah, you keep it next to your room of briefcases with cameras inside of them. <laughs> like all good millennial children, <laughs> I spent quite a lot of my preteen years being concerned about learning spycraft oh no uh, uh absolutely the same <laughs> yeah uh and so i feel i don't think i'd be a good spy but i think they'd know me you know <laughs> they'd be like there youther he's a bad spy <laughs> but we've heard of him you know yeah which is exactly what you don't want in a spy <laughs> uh, i don't know I think every famous spy you can think of. Yeah, those are the worst spies. Oh, yeah, that, oh, I don't know. Some some famous spies are pretty good spies. Uh, the Spies Like Us, the Spice Girls. Yeah, whatever Michael Caine's character is called in the Ipcris file. Isn't it Get Carter? <laughs> yes, no, thank you. His name in the Ipcris file is Blame It on Rio. <laughs> yeah, in uh, Blame It on Rio, he plays the Italian job in <laughs> Mise en Abeam, as we as, as we were discussing. But I, I've really had to weigh up, because I absolutely believe that when we die, uh, we will find ourselves in a white void and then be offered or take a chance to, to interact with the living world again as a specter. Um, and I've been really trying to work out well, what I should do, like what's the smart kind or or wise ways to use this power so um i found the only two films ever made uh about people returning to life uh and one is called a matter of loaf and death by my favorite you're your favorite director nick park <laughs> it's gonna go uh powell in the pressburger my favorite as we've already established one person directing team <laughs> Uh, and of course, uh, I can barely say it. I barely need to say it. 
when people think films about people coming back to life. Well, I mean, when, when people think film in general. Oh, yeah. They, 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 when people think of film, they it, it is almost synonymous that you would think of Jeff Lowell. Yeah. Every, every single college dorm room yeah. has, you know, the three posters on the wall. One is Einstein sticking out that tongue, yeah. and that's so Einstein can taste college students. <laughs> um, one is uh, keep calm and carry on, which uh, is to, you know, remind people that uh, war is imminent. And, of course, there's the poster for the 2008 smash hit. Like, it seems under the first film to cross three billion right also the first film to to combine both romance and comedy Uh, i I believe it was the original i look i want to define a genre here yeah okay because yeah there are romantic films Mm. and there are comedic films and for much of my life whenever i thought about romantic films and comedic films yeah I, i thought you know and and never the twain shall meet i don't there's not See, romance is such a serious business. Yeah, exactly. Um, from my my experience of romance, it is that it is largely uh, in the manner of a sequence of business transactions where you put affection in and get, um, you know, kindness out. Uh, and the, the thing about comedy is that comedy... It's mainly about uh, falling over on banana peels. <laughs> well, and pouring mustard on your shirt. <laughs> uh, and the thing is that comedy just has no ability to create connections between people. Like, people don't joke to get to know people. No. People don't uh, uh, joke to show that they're attracted to people. Flirting, as we know, is people coldly and brutally stating unvarnished truths at each other and so i mean the, the times i've tried to flirt that's how i've done it i mean yeah okay yeah yes yeah i mean and where's that cotton okay me? so where, what <laughs> so you're just like you're a human <laughs> that hi uh um my name's finn and i just want to say you know it depends on the time of day but more of us is not us than ourselves because of the amount of biome but you know <laughs> microbes and then when the person's clothes just don't instantly fall off yep i, I, I turn around and go home <laughs> i'll try again tomorrow <laughs> same person or different person yeah who can tell, <laughs> who can tell? <laughs> oh that's right i forgot <laughs> you have such a specific type <laughs> There, you cannot tell the difference between people you're attracted to. It's a nightmare. Self-imposed face blindness. And so I think the moment when, um, I don't even need to say his name, the director of Over Her Dead Body went like, what if I got a romance and put some jokes uh, in it? I think he was laughed out of the room at every major studio. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, every, every time I, I, I would have laughed him out of the room. Yeah. Um, I would have said, huh, sir, it is, it is not possible to combine the two. Yeah. Uh, my, but, my monocle would have fallen out. And he did it. And so he invented the genre we all know and love, comedy romantics. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Com-roms. Yeah. Um, but not only did he invent the com rom, he invented the Zomcom rom. 
which has never been done before. There's never been a Comrom with undead characters. No. And it literally doesn't exist. No one's names have been made by him. And so, yeah, I think we should watch those two films and take notes for what we do uh, when we die. So that's my intro. Right. How, How do you feel about it? I think that like I just think it's good to get all the talking about death out of the way early. Yeah, I, I think that like we've been doing your, your intros as well for like four, four or five episodes now, <laughs> and they are just dramatically increasing in length. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like I think like but by the time we get to like number like number like thirty on the list, the the entire episode will just be, will just end with you saying, "And that's my intro." So, so. No, you gotta do oh, your yeah, intro. Do my intro, Jesus. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sight and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director. We want to see if counterpointing kind of these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we're watching number 92 on the Sight and Sound list, A Matter of Life and Death, Powell and Pressburger's Ode to the Power of Love and Brain Surgery. Our second film this week is Over Her Dead Body, sort of like She's All That plus The Exorcist, but with no vomiting or Freddie Prince Jr. Like, if Jason Biggs is an overheard dead body. Yeah. Sadly. (laughs) I mean, good for him. Yeah. What's he got ahead of them at this point? Um, Orange is the new black. Well, not not anymore. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I mean, oh, in, in uh, 2008. Uh, you're sure, right. Like, things are looking up for no, Yeah, no, he's, he's got, he's, he's still got the, the fourth American Pie movie ahead of him. Oh, you're not counting straight to DVD films? No, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only counting the canon films. I oh, know, they're all in canon, because no, no, Eugene Levy's well, in, Eugene all Levy's in all of them. Yeah. But no, I'm just counting the ones about, like, the main cast, you know, our best friends. Yeah. Uh, Stifler. The other ones, Stifler, <laughs> Alison Hannigan. She's not in most of them, isn't she? Well, so she's she's in the first one. Oh yeah, and she's in uh, 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 she's in American Wedding, which is the third one, I yeah. think. And then she's in American Reunion, which is the fourth one. Ah, oh, okay, good. She might also be in the second one. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of them apart from the first one and parts of the fourth one. Uh, there's one real good bit uh, in the first one. It was a very formative experience for me, uh, which is that the the. I'm just assuming it's a bit where Shannon Elizabeth's naked. Oh no, 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 no! Uh, uh, it was like a lot of that. That was formative for a lot of people. Uh, and uh, it's when Jason Biggs gets home alone and <laughs> there's a pie there. <laughs> <laughs> just look, we 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 all know you love pies. We've talked about it extensively on this episode. <laughs> We don't need to go into any more detail. I know. I just want to be clear that it is the moment of tension where it looks like he's about to eat a whole pie. That's exciting to me. <laughs> and not the following act where he defiles a pie. A perfectly good pie. Yeah. I but, mean, you could still probably eat it. But you wouldn't want to, though. You wouldn't want to. Would you rather eat the peach or the pie? The pie, because you could eat around that much much more effectively. Like, that, that peach is just like, that's like 40% jizz of it. 
Like um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how much Timothy Chalamet is coming, but you know, <laughs> we should find out. Oh God, uh, no, I do not like what I said all of that. Dear Mister Chalamet, <laughs> you've bl- you've blown any big loads recently? It's important. It's for our podcast. <laughs> uh, please, can you tell us? <laughs> could you measure for us your average when you? Timothy, you're a young man, so I presume you're learning about your body, <laughs> um, etc. Et, et so, a matter of loaf and death. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first thing you notice about this film? Okay, here. <laughs> I, no, I just want to point out because opening credits of Matter of Life and Death, Balan Pressburger film. Um, uh, 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 standard opening credits mm. except i think the man i presume is their primary investor uh who goes by the name of i wrote it down j arthur park rank. gets the j arthur rank you probably said park because of your your love of the waltz and gromit films oh yeah or um i was just guessing that he was south korean <laughs> i mean that makes sense considering how much of the following film is about an omnipresent but undiagnosable sense of danger <laughs> and full of har- harrowing sex scenes, as all South Korean films are. Um, anyway, so <laughs> the first credit is, yeah, Michael J. Rank. Uh, J. Arthur Rank. J. Arthur Rank. This is why, why I just can't. I'm like looking at my notes and my brain goes, you haven't understood this. And then I'm like, I need to, I can stop looking now. Um his he gets presents at the beginning the first credit uh, uh with an incredible gong and i just feel like every artistic in we should begin this podcast with like a gong like i i i absolutely do have a gong at my house <laughs> so like i i i i could i yeah a lot of the sound settings uh in audition which which i used to edit um uh oh sorry for you talking, talking about the the movie audition oh, no. um a lot of the <laughs> just re-edit audition for fun a very uh a very gong centric for was some no, reason what if there was no torture what if it was you know what if this nice old what if this nice widower you know j- just yeah. j- just hung out with this this girl that he tricked into going out with him wouldn't that be wouldn't that be That's fun most films though at this point okay <laughs> So, riddle me this. What is space? It's like stuff, but if there was no stuff there. Yeah, except, I mean, the space above us at night, you know? To be clear, it's not there during the day. Um. Anyway, uh, what a matter of life and death, loaf and death, sorry, uh, presupposes uh, is that all the stars are not in fact stars, but they are windows to heaven uh through through which the the people who've died who also happen um a really key thing it lets us know about the afterlife in my research is that when you die you go from being technicolor to on black and white film so that's a good thing to know and you 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 also get handed like a a plastic wrapped pair of wings yeah uh because they come off of like a conveyor belt so we should start at the beginning yes we should so jay arthur park there's a gong (laughs) Um, then we get a big monologue about space from mm. a narrator we do not identify at this point. Yeah. He turns up later as a judge. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think it's the same guy. There's no way to find out. Nope. <laughs> so it's wartime. It's 1944. 
right? Uh, 45. I, I think it might be, yeah, I think it's 45. Um, so things aren't looking great for kind of uh, anyone. Nope. Uh, and up in the skies, it's only bloody Biggles himself, which is to say uh, a British man <laughs> with a, um, a beard and goggles and uh, his his bomber plane. Uh, it, it's going down, it's all lost, and he's talking... Yeah, it, it's, it's all on fire, all the rest of his crew is dead. No, uh, some, uh, everyone, his mechanic has died, Bob. Oh, sorry, yes. But so the rest of the team uh, The rest escaped. of the team uh, j- uh, bailed out of a plane with the parachutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so he's like, I'm just going to make a final call to uh, radio, the radio base, uh, and just be like, uh, tell my... Mum, I love her, I, and I've got sisters, um, which is a verbatim quote. Uh, but he happens to be talking to uh, a disembodied mouth, is how it appears to be shot, at least by my opinion, at least by my view. No, and, no, I, I think you, you, you see all of her face in, in quite a few shots. Oh yeah, There's, later in the film. no, no, in, in, in the sequence. Oh wow, I think yeah. you just weren't looking at the screen. I mean, why would I look at the screen? It's only the nine, the eighty seventh best film ever. Ninety second, but yeah, Peter Carter um, is the plane played play by played by David David Niven. Yeah, yeah, the man who would be Bond. It's talking to June, who's Kim Hunter, um, who sounds like another actor who could have played James Bond. Uh, so, but these two, they're just chatting, and then. Over the course of like two to three minute conversation, fall in love. It has all the standard uh, tropes of falling in love someone by phone. The part where it's like, are you pretty? And she says, I'm all right. Uh, and then they immediately decide they're in love with each other. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's not the most believable falling in love scene, but especially after seeing previous Palin Presbury film on the list, which... I think while it also like rushes some romance stuff, feels much more believable. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also this takes place over a day, and Colonel Blimp takes place. Well, over... no, this takes place over like four or five days. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, because um, he, uh, he has to like wait three days for the trial, I and mean, then trials. Oh, the that's end. right. Yeah. Um. And, and but this guy's going to die. But an English fog, a real peace super is coming in. And so as he, as he jumps out of the plane... Oh, it's important to say he, he doesn't have a parachute. Yeah, yeah, to, to commit suicide, yeah. uh, to die. Uh, he goes through the fog, and we learn that uh, the uh, conductor, whose job it is to find people and bring them to the afterlife... Yeah. Uh, the conductor uh, in, in this case, it is a, um aristocratic French fop from the, the French Revolution. Ah, oh, was he French? Yeah. I didn't... There's, it's interesting. Yeah, it, it's not something that happens that you know in every single every single aspect of his uh, wardrobe and voice and every uh, thing that he says is just all about how he's French. Oh, yeah, it was the back tattoo of Charles de Gaulle <laughs> that I should... You know, yeah, and he's the Frenchest man ever. Yeah. But he's also like, say... Uh, he his body was falling through the mist, so I, I lost him. I could not, I could not find him in the English Channel. Um, and so, was that good, the French Channel? Uh, and they're like, this is the first time this has happened in a thousand years. Which, like, surely, if it all it takes is dropping through mist, does that just mean that all the undiscovered bodies, or like people who've been buried in walls and stuff like that? 
are just not in, they're just trapped. Okay, in I, their bones. I think uh, you might be thinking about uh, this portion of the movie slightly too literally. <laughs> okay. And I, I, okay. I think it might be, um, uh, I think it might be like more, more sort of, uh, more, more sort of figurative, and also meaning to set up uh, the, 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 the conflict of the rest of the movie. Uh, yeah. Where, well, there are kind of two conflicts. One uh, is that, yeah, no, so he arrives on Earth dead, uh, but alive uh, in a way, or gravely injured. He spends a bit of time pranking about on a beach, and there's a be- bit where he starts to take off like his plane flying stuff, and it just really seems like he's going to keep going. It's just a very like long, slow, sandy striptease. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But then as if to, uh, you know, what I like is films that give you what you wanted, but in a way that complexifies them. Mm. They're they're like, almost my favorite kind of creative gesture is, here are the apples you wanted, but I've poisoned them. Just to pick a film classic from the clear blue ether. Uh, And over her dead body, (laughs) Jason Biggs' villainous character uh, reveals himself to be um, Jason Biggs is pretending to be a gay man for five years to get in close to to, to a woman, mm. um, not not the not the her of the title, no, or the her of the film her, or um, or the, or or the, the her sh- of the film her smell, or the she in Murder She Wrote, and it's just or the body in Jennifer's body, yeah, um, is that when he finally gets together with her, it's portrayed in a complex and interesting way uh and varnish like you know the poison the poisoned apple um but anyway so he 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 uh but in saying that because we so lusted to see uh niven's nudity that uh the first character he introduces is an inexplicably nude young boy i believe he's like a shepherd because he's surrounded by goats yeah he's like a young shepherd boy who's sitting on the beach naked playing like a flute so uh peter uh is kind of a weird ghosty dude uh, except he's he's alive he's physical he's just not passed over and so he goes to uh the local air base where he meets uh june well, uh, as as he's like w- w- walking along the beach he, he, see, he yeah. sees june, june run, running her bicycle home and yeah. he runs over to her and uh he, he realizes that it's her she realizes that it's him and she's like oh this is awkward i was talking with like five other pilots at the same time <laughs> yeah they were all dying they all declared they, they, they all found love with me yeah it's like it happens it happens a lot uh but then they kiss um because because it's a movie, that's yeah, what happens. it's a movie, and they're yeah. like, oh, we're in love. Um, and this is when we learn, we see Bob, who was uh, the mechanic who died on the yeah. plane, waiting in uh, in heaven that looks like uh, what all, like... Sort of like a, a futuristic lobby? Yeah, I was going to go with, with, like, what those... You know in airports, when you're in an airport and they're updating an area and they have the blocked-off <laughs> bits with, like, designs of what it will look like, yeah. what it looks like? That's what it looks like. Uh, and... and just in the like the lobby of heaven, all these dead people coming in. It's the Air Force part of heaven. Yeah. Um, and being like, oh, come on, some boisterous Americans come through with complete with comedy music. And it was like maybe the funniest joke in the film were like all these American Air Force guys who just died of it. They like walk through the door into into heaven and immediately they all like make a beeline to, to the Coca Cola vending machine and just immediately start getting cokes out. Oh, yeah. And. and- 
And you're like, oh yeah, this is like this is like Palin Pressburg's idea of what Americans are. Yeah, it is very interesting what their idea of Americans are. But anyway, long story short, in the kingdom, in the other world with a capital O, which does look like they are just slightly typoing my name. But anyway, um, yeah, there's a problem because this guy should be dead, uh, and he's not, and, and so they have to go and get him. And so this French guy comes down. Uh, and uh, stands around in a field. It's more like a grove. And what, uh, while they're uh, sleeping, and is like, so what I can do. Um, so he 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 like pour, he like pauses time and and pulls David Niven out so that they they can have a conversation while June sleeps. Yeah. And he he basically explains to him, uh, you you were supposed to die. It was my job to get you, and you you have to come with me. Um, you have to come with me to to, to the other world now. And David Niven says, uh, fuck that. I'm in love now. I don't want to die. Instead of going with you, I want to make an appeal on my case. Yeah, I, I want to go to the like highest court in heaven and plead that I should be allowed to live. And this scene also does tease them maybe playing chess a lot in a film that was made 10 years before old seventh seal. Yeah. So I think we've learned what the sixth seal is five more to go. Yeah. I mean, uh, after this conversation with French guys is, Oh, oh, very well. I will go back up to the other world and I will, uh, talk to God and uh, Jesus. And I will say, Hey guys, it's, uh, this, well, English air force pilot. He wants uh, to make an appeal on his case. And then uh, the entire rest of the movie um, is, is just people uh, doing uh, French accents at each other. Yeah, uh, it's a lot like most French film in that way. Did you know that almost all, you know, of French films, yeah. entirely cast with non-French people. <laughs> that's all, that's why French, so silly sounding. It was just made up gobbledygook, right? And it's, I, 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 I did not know that. My, my favorite, one of my favorite facts mm. in all of uh, trivia and entertainment trivia is, uh, you know, Klingon. Yes, uh, the language. The 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 the, the, the single most um, the, the single most popular um, artificial language of all time. Conlag, please. Um, constructed language right right i'm not i'm not i'm not just being like no i thought you just made up an insult no i'm not comlag the radiohead live album no it's a remix album sorry fuck retake uh, you fool <laughs> yeah no this is we footsteps then just hear me clattering around the kitchen god damn it man where did i leave my suicide knife <laughs> um and i don't have a suicide knife I've <laughs> got a complex series of, of suicide leaves of paper to paper cut me to death. It's um, like, you know... Um, so I, 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 of course, have a, have a suicide Rube Goldberg machine. Uh, I, I, mine's a bit of a Rube Goldberg machine. It is thousands of sheets of paper, as yep. I've said. That you just get one of those like tornado things, like a fairground, where you get inside and just like spins the paper around you and and skeletonizes you. Oh, uh, it's like that, except it doesn't skeletonize me. It's like you know, in Cube or the first Resident Evil film, when uh, it looks like they're fine, <laughs> but then lines of blood appear oh, on oh, someone right. and they fall into cubes. Of right? Blood. Yes, that's that's what my suicide notebook is for. Anyway, so we have, um, oh, and then there's a kind of a third lead. Uh, in the film, who's uh, the doctor? That's right, uh, William Hartnell himself. No, uh, no, it's what's it's Colonel Blimp, played by Roger Livesey. Yeah, and the character of Doctor Reeves. 
or Roger Livesey, who like it, it, for, for most of Colonel Blimp, he was he was like balding. Yeah. But in, in this, he's got this like full hair. He's got this like big beard, and he looks like he looks like Dave Foley plus ripped torn. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth with David Bowie? Yes. Do, do you remember how like a lot of that movie could be easily retold to Rip Torn's Fuck Diary? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's all I want to say. I, I, I don't think he looks like that. What I think he looks like, you know, in documentaries um, about old music troops, old bands, <laughs> to use their colloquial name, um, and how there's always like, there's the member who now is just like a house husband for right. 20 kids, mm. and there's one who's now a producer, and then there's one who's still like, you know, an icon. Maybe they had a successful solo career. Yeah. And, and they're old, but they look good. That is what Roger Livesey looks like yeah. in this film. Um, he's a doctor uh, of unidentified means. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's, he's just sort of a general doctor. General doctor. He knows enough about brain surgery to just jot down some notes enough for another surgeon who's never done the brain surgery described before to go off just a page of notes, yeah. like a recipe for a flan. Um, but instead of sugar, the the jelly wobbles with thoughts. <laughs> and so very soon June knows uh, the doctor, Patrick Trown himself, uh, and uh, says, <laughs> well, why is Patrick Trown not in the Powell and Pressburger film? Uh, I, I, you, you, you should ask uh, Michael Powell or Emmerich Pressburger. Oh, I thought you were going to say ask Michael Troughton. And I was like, no. even out of Patrick Troughton's sons, I wouldn't choose Michael. You go for David every time. But of course, Michael Powell and Pressburger were both dead, so you can't oh, ask yeah. them. So you should ask Felmut Studemarker, who is still alive, and is, of course was of course married to Michael Powell for, for quite a while. Ah, oh, of course. Yeah. Old Cutty Thelma. Yeah. And so June is like, ah, oh, hey, Doctor. Hey, Mr. Pertwee, please. Um, I, <laughs> This guy, he, my my new boyfriend, we've known each other for maybe a total of five minutes. Yeah. Um, and he, he he's already talking to people who uh, who, who are not there. Yeah. And, and he's got uh, pain and, in his head. Yeah, having, having weird headaches. Uh, and so the so yeah, if if you if you had started dating someone uh, that morning, yeah, and then uh, they started uh, having hallucinations and headaches, and it's not not just like normal headaches, but like like real bad, like can't can't think or move headaches. What while you just out on your first date? How would you respond to that? I don't know, and I never have to find out. Um, so I would like to turn the question back on you, okay. so Finn. You're out on a date. You've listed your facts. <laughs> You, no, okay. The listing of effects happens in the flirting stage. Oh, okay. If I'm on a date with them, you're, then it's you're, like, and the final flirt is, we will go on a date. Yes, uh, and, and your eye contact is so unnerving. <laughs> uh, Finn just raised his eyebrows in in what was an emphasis way, but I think in the context of like we will go on a date, <laughs> flirting, I think it's like no, no, see. Look, I, I've, I've been having to, to, work, to wear a mask in public for the last few weeks, and so I've, I've been developing uh, much more intense eye expressions. Yeah, no, it is, it is. You never think, like, 2020 has had a lot of bad shit yep. happen. Like, New Mutants was delayed. Uh, then it was released. So some would say even worse. Hey, in my experience so far... Every Anya Taylor-Joy film I have seen is good. Yeah. And so by that metric, the only thing that needs to change is that I need to see the new mutants. Do you know what I'm doing in that setup? 
not seeing the new mutants. In a matter of life and death, we have kind of two conflicts. How dare you? <laughs> um, which is... Um, Wait, sorry, I'm just going to guess how long we've been recording for. I- I'm going to say 50 minutes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're 10 minutes into this movie <laughs> yeah. by the middle of the movie so there are two conflicts that go through the bulk of a matter of life and death there, there certainly are we're going to talk about them for a while <laughs> and one is uh, no more tangents <laughs> no you can't we can't i'm promising <laughs> um is uh uh there no is more heart. No attentions. His hand was not on his heart. No, I did. There we go. His hand was not on his heart. I can't believe you. Now they're both on his head and he's nodding. <laughs> Can I just point out that you've already failed in no tangents? I know. Okay. So he did the Macarena. <laughs> so there are two. <laughs> there are two. There, so there are two conflicts at the center of a medal. So there are two conflicts at the. So, epicenter of a film, a matter of life and death, there are two central conflicts. I said center twice, fuck it. it. (laughs) There are two central conflicts in a film, a matter of life and death. Yufa, would you care to elucidate? (laughs) There's Peter versus the kind of bureaucratic system of heaven. Yes. uh, uh, Kind of working his way through, working out who is going to be his... uh, prosecutor who's going to be his defender when he argues in heaven court yep. uh, uh, to, to stay on earth to, to have more love uh, mm. under the basis that he was his name was already in the ledger in the death ledger yeah uh, uh, but then he fell in love which i don't think quite works out but schmoo 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 because they fell in love before he died Right, right, okay. It's like the, the, the sort of central thing of a movie is like they talk on the phone and they sort of fall in love while his plane is crashing. Because of this, he is able to accept his death and he's able to like jump out of his plane right. happy and, and ready to die. So, but when then, is, then when... because of the fog, the French guy misses him yeah. and he's allowed to return to Earth. During that time in which he should be dead and before the French man can catch up with him again, he meets June and they are able to properly fall in love. Uh... In the final trial, they keep talking about the like 20 hours. Hours. Yeah, but it's not like the whole twenty hours of the film. No, they're talking about the running time of Colonel oh. Bloom because the film takes place over like over like five six days. They're talking about the, the, the twenty hours in which he is supposed to have been dead, and b- before he met the Frenchman again, which is when he fell in love with her properly. And so he, he, his argument is basically because he he used the extra time he was given to fall in love, and because love is. It, it's it's sort of like an unspoken like premise of the film is that like you know, love is like the ultimate good yeah as like, and b- the most powerful thing on yes it. well uh, yeah I guess like that that, that is said at the end of, uh, end of the film but yeah so because he used his essentially extra time on earth to fall in love that should cause like the courts of heaven to like think about what more good he could do w- with his life and that's essentially it so uh, I think it, it it is a bit it is a bit convoluted but I I, I think it basically makes sense I, yeah I think you're right and I guess my confusion is less confusion than existential terror at the idea that you are you can already be dead in the afterlife while you still live like that fact I think change changes a lot about how I see the afterlife which due to the premise of this episode of the podcast I absolutely believe in as a physical reality uh and of course the other conflict uh is is the doctor tom baker himself battling um the this kind of neurological issue that um peter 
uh, is having, and, yeah. and the idea that he he's unwell and looks like he's going to die again. Yeah, it's, it's um, like the end of season one of Hannibal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, good show. Check it out. Good show. Um, definitely the best work from the director of the Twilight Saga, Eclipse. No, I can't. Doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about David Slade. I love David Slade. David, if you're listening, love you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little kiss for David Slade. Yeah. Oh, maybe he's terrible, David. Stop, if you stop it, stop it. <laughs> we were having me. Yeah, no. This is, this is Friday on, on Wednesday. We were hanging. We had seen a couple of movies, and we were talking <laughs> about a movie that that Yuffa liked. And then immediately, as soon as he said that he liked a movie, he started doing this thing that he always fucking does, <laughs> where he starts imagining ways that it could be problematic, and then um, to like convince himself not to like it. And I. I, I was like, just fucking stop it! <laughs> don't, don't, you don't have to do this to yourself. Yeah, no, no one has ever pointed that, that out to me before, and it's really, it's shaken me. <laughs> you've cut, you've cut me to the quick with that information. And so, yeah, June and Peter spend more time together, and uh, they're in love. We learn that June is from Boston, mm. which is explained by her clear transatlantic accent, which is absolutely nothing like Boston's favorite son. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Uh, can, 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 can you do a Boston accent? I have it, yeah. yeah I was also going to do that. Chowder. <laughs> Chowder. Pack, pack, pack the cat. <laughs> we sound like two ducks that are learning yeah. to talk. This is how Donald Duck should <laughs> talk. We sound like, like characters who are in like one scene of a SpongeBob episode. Like, no, <laughs> no, that's enough of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, like this is just like Tom. This is like Tom like trying something out. Like, no, no, there's, no. There's, there's nothing here. Yeah, no, that's that's not how SpongeBob will talk. It's the Patrick Show now. Um, that's my SpongeBob knowledge gone. Anyway, so yeah, and those things kind of uh, develop. Uh, over time, we learn that the French guy has uh, bullet time powers. He yeah. can um, he can force time whenever he wants to uh, to talk to David Niven. The, the film does like a, a couple in- interesting things in, in these scenes. First of all, in the scenes of time, it's not there's no diegetic sound and no non-diegetic sound apart from people talking. So like p- people don't uh, people don't have footsteps. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's there's no music. You don't hear you don't hear any wind. You don't hear doors opening and closing. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's really good. And you see, you see, like other people um, are, are all like frozen. And there's a, um, there's a scene later in the film where where two people playing, uh, two people are paused in time playing ping pong, yeah. and the ball is suspended in midair. They do the smart right thing, which is that every time something freezes, it's more complicated. So the first time it's just a woman lying down. Yeah. Um, then it's two people playing ping pong. I just want to note, it was just nice to see that Roger Livesey was fine with them portraying on screen that he's terrible at ping pong. Um, <laughs> It was also nice to find out that, that ping pong existed in 1945. Oh yeah, I mean they may have called it whiff whiff then. Which <laughs> when I'm pretty, sure, I was going to say I'm pretty sure they call it ping pong. They 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 don't. I think right. the, the, the the subtitles call it ping pong. Yeah, um, and they yeah we had the subtitles on because I was too lazy to turn them off. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was already sitting. You know how you know the mm. feeling. I'm already sitting. I feel like that's the one true universal emotion. I think even psychopaths feel the emotion of I'm already sitting. Um, uh, and then later, uh, during the surgery, uh, brain, brain surgery on, um, on, 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 on Peter's P- brain, Peter. um, 
uh, they're they're all frozen uh, uh, as well uh, when it comes to the the the, the trial. Right? Yeah, the trial, yeah. which is uh, kind of this big. It's the last act. Uh, of the film is this big trial uh, in heaven where they uh, put God on trial for war and causing death and yeah um no uh, and it's called his dark materials <laughs> that's true uh, oh. v- 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 Tom Hooper joint his dark mm. materials like it was so good reading that when when I was a thirteen year old, and like there's a there's like a scene in like the third book where God just dies. Yeah, and like yeah, no, this is exactly what I needed. <laughs> this is what all children should be reading. I mean, if it's in the language they can speak, you know, oh, we've got to cool. culture indigenous languages. You know, I just think it's very. <laughs> I think it's borderline racist. Of Absolutely, you to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who made the unforced era. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and so uh, the prosecution uh, saying that he should stay on Earth is some American guy from the Civil War, right? Yeah. Uh, his prosecutor is a man named Abraham Farlin, who was the first person killed in the um, in the American War of Independence. Yeah. So he's got. He's not. He doesn't like the British. Yeah, he's played by the actor Raymond Massey, mm-hmm. uh, who founded Massey University. Uh, absolutely, who played Abraham Lincoln three different times, yeah. and who played only two of those times as a vampire hunter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he played the abolitionist John Brown uh, twice, or sort of three times, because there's yeah. also a famous uh, reading of a poem, uh, John Brown's Body, yeah. that Raymond Massey did, Where, in which he played both John Brown, Brown and Jennifer's body. <laughs> I was going to go with Abraham Lincoln here to kill John Brown's reanimated body. Um, and so a lot of this debate is very, is kind of framed slightly in terms of um, Britain versus America, which it's, it's, yeah. it's very interesting to watch now, considering that a lot of the global discourse seems to be America being like, look at us, blah, blah, blah. And then Britain being like, check out these guys. And then America being like, but you suck. And then Britain being like, but you suck. And the rest of the world being like, we hate both of you. Yeah. <laughs> we, and to be clear, I, this, I made a note to emphasize this. It's, England versus America. And, and so when I say we hate both England and America, I'm talking about England. World War II was like basically like the end of, of Britain as like world power. And and this section of the movie is is a bunch of like British filmmakers trying to like grapple with legacy of, of what British power meant around the world. And I wish they, they'd gone a bit harder on, on, on in some of these scenes. They go surprisingly hard for the time. Yeah. Uh, in a way that makes you go like, oh, but it does. Watching it now makes you be like, well, like watching it now, my main thing is like, no, you're, the persecutions case shouldn't be, no, he should be allowed into the afterlife um, because, you know, Shakespeare wrote Hamlet. Uh, no, it, it, he shouldn't be allowed into the afterlife because, you know, British have done the English, the Angle-ish have done bad things. Um, it's because he's a bomber pilot and has killed probably hundreds, if not thousands of people. Nazis, though. I mean, I, were they all Nazis? Uh, but because I'm just making this up, uh, yes. No, okay, all okay, no, okay, no, sweet ass. Uh, you're, uh, uh, you're right. 100% accuracy. Um, and, and he, he, he have words for, like, uh, he have words for a stealth bomber. 
It was just completely accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's why it didn't have enough parachutes. There are, there must be, there are clues throughout it. I don't, it's like Tenant. If you say you don't understand it, you don't engage with the film on the correct mm. terms. That's a genuine opinion I hold. <laughs> you can't, okay, look. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> when you see a film that spends its first act training you to watch it visually and ignore what people are saying, being like, oh, I couldn't hear what they're saying. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to go sit in a fucking, do you know what I did not like about City Lights, the Charlie Chaplin film? Couldn't hear what they were saying. Oh, and you know, that time travel plot sometimes confused me. What? Oh, my, I'm sorry. I'm just, I just real, I just think there are smart people being dumb on the internet, and that is the step after there are people being wrong on the internet in terms of things that will keep me logged on. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so in the trial scene, you have the, the prosecutor who, who hates English people yeah. and everything to do with England, and you and there, there's, a, there's also a jury, and the jury is made up of people from all, all different countries, and at a certain point, at a certain point the, the prosecutor po- points out to, um, uh, to, to, to Dr. Reeves, who is acting as, uh, who's acting as Pete Peter's uh, Oh, d- yeah, defense yeah. counsel. He, uh, uh, he, the doctor, played by Peter Davison, yep. uh, is in a fiery accident and bumps his head, regenerates into Colin Baker. But that, so he's in the other world, um, conveniently, so he can be his um, defense. Yeah. So the prosecutor points out to Doctor Reeves, like, if, if you if you look if you look at the jury. You, you see all the countries they're from, and one of them is French, one of them is German, one of them is Russian, one of them is Indian, one of them is a boar from South Africa. Yep. If they'd made this one film thirty years later, one would be Argentina. Yeah, one of them is one of them is Irish, and <laughs> the prosecutor just says at a certain point, like, "You're going to lose this case, yeah, because." Everyone around the world hates the English. <laughs> yeah, like, and this is um, it, it, you. You you cannot find not you cannot find a jury that is not prejudiced against the English because yeah. the the English have fucked over so many people. Yeah. In response, uh, the doctor now Sylvester McCoy, of course, um, <laughs> uh, goes on to be like, "Oh, we could get another jury in here, uh, and they're all uh, American citizens, right? Yeah, um, uh, who've been who are big and." multiracial mm. and it's and it's a bit like America's done bad stuff too is, was kind of what I thought the point of that moment was but it doesn't quite land yeah I, I think like because it spoke because to me it read as like look at what a beautiful diverse country America is right I mean yeah I I, I, I mean I I think that's I don't know it's I think just like Colonel Blimp this is a film that I sort of, I sort of struggle to to like fully get what what they're going for yeah it feels like if at the time like at the time each of those people will be a deliberate reference yes. to someone right yeah I, I yeah, I'm just not 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 fully sure what what they, what they, they they're going for in, in in this scene. The sort of argument that Roger Livesey is is making is like, if America truly is like the freest country in the world, as yeah. as, as the prosecutor ma- makes the case, if America truly is like the, the the freest and like most decent country in the world, then if if the jury was only Americans, then they would have to find in in the, in, in the favor of 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 Peter because his his whole case that he's making is he wants the freedom to be able to go and live his life as he pleases and pursue the love yeah. that, that was not available to him earlier. Yeah. And, and, and like, yeah, that's interesting, but it is like, 
at least my response as an audience member was like, we, no, we hate both of you. No, yeah. This is not like turning should a man, should love triumph over death. The one conversation I don't want to have is who's better, England or America? Because <laughs> you want to be like, no, you're right. Death should triumph <laughs> over love. Um, and so they bring in, um, they send... Oh, fuck. What is her name? June. June. Uh, uh, June uh, goes to sleep. And so they call her uh, as a witness to the funeral. And they all travel down a giant, incredible escalator. A, a, a real, like, set that was, was built for the film. The biggest escalator you've ever seen. And it, 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 it escalates. Yeah. No. And, like, so, this is an impressive escalator. Yeah. And uh, along the side of the escalator, there's like there's like statues of all these like great people throughout history. Yeah, all men. Yeah, there's like interesting stuff with like the statues because for for like a movie made by English people in the 40s, this is a very non-Christian idea of heaven. Yeah, it's, and, and like what, what, one of the statues of like great people throughout history that's on the that's on the side of the thing is, is is Muhammad. I don't see any other like English filmmaker of this period acknowledging other religions in in that sort of way. Well, and their afterlife is explicitly everyone goes to heaven. You know, yes. The the only people we don't see in heaven are Nazis, mm. uh, and I presume that's because they have their own section. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, to be it, clear, it, if I had my way, <laughs> that section would be the naughty step. Uh, you know, it's a great... This lift, this giant escalator is incredible. We, we see it several times. Um, and the first time I saw it, I was like, that's an optical effect. <laughs> I only found out it's not an optical effect on IMDb trivia. It was mm. was built by people who build planes, yeah, which well, during well, wartime, mm, it's not a great use of... Oh, is it a good use of resources? Yeah. And then Nazis, yeah, once yeah. again. So they bring June up. So the climax of the film is they're, they're at the bottom of these steps observing the surgery who are all frozen it's yeah incredible um and it looks beautiful uh yeah the afterworld is of course all in black and white and, and there and he's like well of course i love june this being um peter's like of course i love june i'd do anything i'd die for her but i'd prefer to live ha 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 uh and, and then like well june would you die for him <laughs> and she's like um, Harvard Yard, <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> I would, Facebook. <laughs> I would, I would, <laughs> I would like mm. to, I, it, I'm being Berlin. Uh, like, every time I like go to like do like a Boston accent, yeah. it always feels like I'm standing on like a, I want to, I want to do like a dive roll and I'm like, no, if I do it, I'm going to break my neck. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just feel the exact same. So like this like tension and apprehension. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's surprising, but like, I just found out like one of, one of the most stressful things I can think of is, is thinking about doing a Boston accent. Well, like luckily that's the kind of like a bad Boston accent is the kind of joke that I think Bostonians would take well, uh, <laughs> seeing as they have no history of insider versus outsider violence. Mm. Um, and, and June is like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd die for you too. And then the doctor, Paul yeah, McGann. Because yeah, um, June is a Bowery boy. <laughs> uh, says, okay, then come with us up to heaven. And she's like, uh, do, do I have to? And he's like, yep, as sure as my name is It's the only way to, the only way to save his life is, is for you to give up your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and she says, okay. And she gets on the, the cool escalator. Yeah. And they all start going up. Yeah. And they're going up for a bit. And then the doctor's like, See, they love each other. Yeah. Hey, 
Uh, Ka-chow, Lightning McQueen. Like, <laughs> Lightning McQueen. And you're like, good one, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, Jodie Whittaker, just to get <laughs> just to get everyone else in there. Richard E. Grant, Peter Cushing, Arabella Weir, like the Trevor Martin. And so uh the the judge who's kind of implied to be God, but mm. not really nah. he's the guy narrated at the beginning, is like, Yep, you you've proved it. The jury all agrees you get to to live on earth uh forever. Uh and they're like, Great, I'm so glad that this came only at the life at the cost of the life of an innocent doctor. <laughs> um who uh then yeah, but he he seems to be having a great time in heaven. He he's 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 just he like on his on his first like ten minutes in heaven, he successfully argued yeah. like in in front of the, the like court of heaven that like someone should be allowed back on earth for like the first time ever, and like he he's gonna be the fucking king shit of heaven <laughs> for like at least for the next like couple millennia. Or his life's gonna be hell, considering how many people are gonna be like, you can talk me out of here, right? Oh, I like yeah, no, oh yeah, he's the precedent this sets. Because imagine a world where if you love someone or something, you cannot die. No, but it's it's only if the, the, the love happens while you are supposed to already be dead. But, like, if you look at the world, we're kind of supposed to already be dead. You can't enter by okay, the, 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 Then you can make that argument no. when, when, you go, when you go to space heaven. But, <laughs> it's, sort of, it's sort of Mormon now that I think of it. <laughs> but I'm just saying that there is the possibility that that this doctor's actions have created a hellish <laughs> splinter universe where only the unloved and unlovable die. Like, Jesus. <laughs> like, is that how they thought they could resolve the world war? Like, if we do this, then all the Nazis will die. <laughs> Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> um, 1944, hit the Zama March. And then they... um. Yeah, then happily ever after. Yeah, pretty much, except for the the dead doctor. Um, and 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 just like in, in Colonel Blimp, how there's a, a great miniature of, of Berlin in winter, and oh, yeah. this um, there's like a scene in, in, in the court, and then the camera pulls out of the court and becomes a miniature, and like it's this incredible like coliseum basically, and they just keep zooming out of it, and then it like it like turns into a nebula in space. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, I, I, as much as like I think we, we both kind of like struggle to get fully on board with Palin Burger's movies. They are like technically incredible filmmakers. Oh, yeah, and there, there is even if you can't like fully get on board for romance, or you're not sure like what they're going for thematically. Like the, the films are just like a joy to watch to to like to like see how they how they're doing things yeah. and everything they make looks beautiful. And um the 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 whole court scene the thing we didn't mention apart from the fact that they're both um the defense and the prosecution are both on cliffs so it has yeah. the nice threat of someone getting midsummered um is that there's an audience of what looks like like hundreds of people and made to look like thousands of people. It's yeah. one of those times where you're like, oh, special effects in the past was just a big extras budget. Mm. But it, it looks really great. It's like it's an interesting film. We should... Mm. We should. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've realised in the gap since we last recorded, we should have a name for the section where we decide whether a film is shite or sound, right? We should be like... But we can't... It's like... We should call it Final Judgments. <laughs> yeah, no, but... The, we should go... Um, so no, let's open let's go in to the judgment cave 
footsteps, footsteps, right. footsteps. Hello, we're in the judgment cave. I'll, I'll add Necca. <laughs> so Finn, you're way over there. Did you think... <laughs> <laughs> he just leaned back from the microphone. It was very funny. Um, Finn. <laughs> yes, you were. Do you think that a matter of life and... Do you think a matter of life and death is shite or sound? In my personal opinion, a matter of life and death is sound. <laughs> it's good. I'm gonna add echo to your echo. It, it, it's I I I'd say it's on it's on it's on the low end 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 yeah. of of the sound pillars that we've watched watch watch. But I think overall it's still 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 a still a quality piece of filmmaking. What do you think? Yeah, I find myself thinking about Colonel Blunt, and obviously like it begs comparison mm-hmm. to Colonel Blunt uh, for the obvious reasons, and that it's um. A sequence of images yes. represented at speed to create motion. Um, with, with sound. Oh. Synchronized, no less. Oh, that. So that way, like, I thought we just had the radio tuned to a very fortuitous talkback channel. No, I've been watching a lot of films from the early 30s recently, and uh, syn- synchronized sound is uh, not, not, not as much as we've given as you might think it would be. Oh, yeah, no, I. I've seen films. I've seen films. Really? Well, two. I've seen a matter of life and death. Really? I've seen films, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I like this film. I enjoy this film more than Colonel Blimp. Okay. But I think I appreciate, like, of the two, Loaf and Death is my favourite. Okay. But Colonel Blimp is better. Right. And I think I called that sound, so I'm going to call this sound. But it is like... I think at the time this would be like, holy shit. Hmm. But now it's like, come on. We know. Mention COVID. It's like it's a factor of the world. And who are you bombing? Who's, who are the British at war with right now, apart from their own citizens? Uh, so, someone should absolutely uh, assassinate Boris Johnson. <laughs> Why are you whispering? Um, uh, because... Uh, <laughs> Because Boris Johnson won't be able to hear it if I whisper. Oh, because he's a fucking moron. <laughs> Boris, if you can Beza, hear this. Bo- Bozza, Bozzo. Boris DeFeifel Alexander. <laughs> no, Alexander Boris DeFeifel Johnson. If you can hear this, I love your work. <laughs> I don't. And I, <laughs> and I think you are not competent <laughs> at your job that you are doing a murderous job at. You can. <laughs> um, but that's just any old film, right? That's just matter of loaf and death. Just yep. Pauline Pressburger, just one Jobsmith guy chucking out films. We've got to get to the real cinematic masterpiece, this analysis of Dead. Absolutely. Now, when you think of film... Jeff Lowell's magnum opus. Oh, yeah, the most magnum and the most opal. When you think of stars that light up the cinema screen, the silver screen... Yeah. I, I, of course, think of Stephen Root. I, th- I do, I, th- I do think of Stephen yeah, Root. He's, he's good. Stephen, like Stephen Root. Stephen Root. The only actor whose name uh, is a full sentence that I endorse. <laughs> That's right. I do not think Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I think she's lost. And Jeremy Irons? No, he doesn't. He's got fucking help. Uh, uh, but Stephen Root. <laughs> um, no, I think of Eva Longoria. 
who um, I'm going to use her full name throughout this, which might seem like insulting, but I want to be clear, I'm only doing it because whenever I say Eva, I'm talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion, the animated series. Eva Longoria, she's a wedding planner, um, but this wedding is especially important. Uh, we see her, she's rushing around, uh, talking to extras who uh, just have not been instructed to speak, so are just standing there blank-faced. Well, so, so, sometimes they, they nod aggressively. Oh, yeah, but some of them. There's a real there's a fun game I started playing in this, because a, a real key I've noticed when you're watching films as good as Over Her Dead Body <laughs> is that you need to find other activities to do it's, while I, they're I, on. I personally checked Facebook. <laughs> and so Stephen Root is there checking out whose eyes he can steal or whose country he can know for old men Mm -hmm. um or the many other brilliant things he can do looking for some office space um uh but he is an ice sculptor as he stresses several times he keeps saying like no it's an ice sculpture this is ice i I sculpted sculpted it (laughs) in a way that you're like oh this is it's the ringing of a true masterful script is that all the jokes repeat themselves a lot like we all learned that well and also all 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 of the not jokes repeat themselves a lot yeah like there are multiple scenes in this movie where like jason biggs as the like uh as the comedy sidekick to lake bell uh basically just says the plot to her yeah and like no, but Lake Bell, don't you know that this is the movie that you're in and this is what's happened so far? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm Lake Bell. I forgot about the stuff that happened to me. Yeah. It was great that they got Tom Hardy to play Lake Bell as the psychic. Um, just any Lake Bell film, and they've just put Tom Hardy in there, in any Tom Hardy film, mm-hmm. like Bell and Bronson. So I, I was I was going to start doing the Tom Hardy Bane voice, and I was like, no, that's just because I watched the Trip movies recently, they do the Tom Hardy Bane voice and a yeah. bunch of them. I can't. I've already, I've already ripped off so many other comedians tonight. I think you're right in what you're implicitly saying, mm-hmm. which is that a lot of the material in the Trip <laughs> is better suited to a podcast than a film. No, because if it was a podcast, you wouldn't have all the weird made-up stuff about their personal lives. Yeah, that's right, because all podcasts are purely factual. Yep, like this one. <laughs> yeah. 100% truth, baby. <laughs> if all mo- movies are good, even bad ones, wasn't such a great <laughs> It wasn't such a good tagline. Congratulations on coming up with that. <laughs> I'd just like to thank you for sending me into a panic on the first episode so I came up with so I came yeah, up no. with <laughs> you're right I should bully you yeah. more on this a thing I'm doing markedly less of since listening back to it and being like oh it seems unpleasant oh no it doesn't seem unpleasant anyway it doesn't matter I'm just no let's focus more on me explaining to you why I'm not bullied <laughs> see the thing is there are two kinds of people in the world Finn there are alphas and there are omegas <laughs> So I'm, I'm just, I think I smell some gas right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't see any light though. <laughs> the idea. Oh, is, is, is that Ingrid Bergman over there? <laughs> <laughs> is that whoever else is in Gaslight? It feels like um, it's a Larry on mur- the joint. Mur- murder She Wrote is in Gaslight. She, she plays their, their maid. I also oh, thought, right back when she was young. Yeah, right. uh, I, I, I also think it might be Lawrence Olivier, but yeah. I also think it might not be because I think it might just be thinking of Rebecca, which is also very similar. In which he, he, he who's he, Rebecca? Who does she play? <laughs> 
He's left the table. He's, he's stretching his limbs. How old do you think Angela Lansbury is? Uh, uh, since, since she was a movie, Gaslight, which is from the um, uh, late late forties, and she was, I'd say, in her thirties. No, she's in her twenties. Uh, in that, I'm going to say uh, she is now in her uh, nineties. Yeah, ninety four. Yeah. Uh, Charles Boyer is who oh, okay. I'm thinking of, uh, who looks a bit like oh, and old Joe Cotton. Oh, um, wow. From, uh, I, do you know what Joseph Cotton film I watched recently? What? It's a bit of a, you may not have heard of it. But it's, it's called Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me. Thank you. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry for doing a bad joke on this uh, good podcast. I apologize for putting a bad joke in this podcast that we both agreed was good. Um, 100% no truth. It is a good film. 100% no bullshit. Sorry. So, but she's at her wedding. Uh, Stephen Root. Yeah, so you you, you 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 didn't explain the the, the the reason why she is so like why why she is like be why she is so harried is because the wedding yeah. she's planning is is her own wedding. Yeah, two, uh, legendary cinema hunk Paul Rudd. Yeah, like and I, who doesn't like a nice hunk of Rudd? Yeah, he's the, 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 he, he's he's. He's the, the the Dolph Lundgren of the of the two thousands. I'd call him the the ooh, but like he seems like it's not that it feels like like you could have a beer with Paul Rudd, but like more like he would also like during the beer he'd be like now one's enough let's get coffee and really get into oh decolonization you know also have you have you seen those have you seen um uh all the all the pictures of um uh, pictures of uh of, Dol- of Dolph Lundgren and Grace Jones together in the 80s yeah oh god so good I mean yeah and I've also we're gonna see a photo of them later because we're gonna do view to a kill oh and and all oh, right yeah because they're dating at the time Grace got old um Adolf <laughs> <laughs> got old Dolpha Cam a cameo, I can remember. Mm. He, he he's near Patrick McNee from the Avengers. Not that one. No, not that one. No, you're thinking of the new Avengers. He wasn't that. But Joanna Lumley and and Kill Bill. <laughs> and, oh, oh, well, the film was in the remake of the Avengers, right? Oh yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going insane. I'm just saying I'm like I'm I'm saying nonsense, but it's like yeah, it's like no. related to actual things. I no, I was thinking like it would be a very Quentin Tarantino thing to put Patrick Min- McNee, an actor who I think was at that point ten years dead, into into Killathan Billathan. Sorry, Killamy Jillamy. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of those are funny. No, Killeth Billeth. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's as close we're going to get. No, obviously, in Killiam William, <laughs> uh, which is what Terry and Killiam. Well, it's, it, it's based, based, based on the ancient Greek play Killophilus, Billophilus. <laughs> <laughs> um, or Oedipus Bill. <laughs> and, oh, man. A third Kill Bill film, which is just Kill Bill colon. Oedipus Bill. I don't know what the plot of that film is, but I really, in fact, would quite like to view that film. In the, the second Kill Bill, there is a son. Yeah, he, he does. He does see his dad get killed, and, and then, he goes off to live with his mom. And then there's the, so they, 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 they the could, daughter in the first film who interrupts fighting. And in, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So those are they're going to be the Oedipus Bills. So I'm just thinking of Oedipus puns now. <laughs> 
Motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking of the Tom Lehrer song about Oedipus, one of the funniest Tom Lehrer songs. Yeah. And it's one of the ones that really make you go, oh, wow, he got away with that. And then, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Tom Lehrer, I was about to do that thing. I was like, he's probably, there's probably a terribly transphobic mm-hmm. one. Um, <laughs> no. As someone who's heard, I think, all of Tom Lehrer's songs, uh, there isn't. Oh, I don't know. There's always the controversial second verse of the Elements song <laughs> where he talks about having to inspect people's genitals to confirm <laughs> uh, their gender. It's less entertaining. But, but it, you know, he makes a lot of good points. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Poor Rudd. What a hunk. Lovely to see him. Brightens up most films he's in. You know, he, he, here's the thing I've noticed about Paul Rudd. It's like he, he's been in movies for, for, for quite a while now. And... It's weathered him. He he looks like shit. (laughs) He looks like fucking garbage that someone ate him in shat. They could only call the only. He he looks like a raisin that's having a really bad day. The only um the only superhero they could cast him as is Ant Man, and that's because of his horrific visage. The, the only superhero Rebecca Carsten is is the Red Skull. Because <laughs> he looks like a fucking Nazi skeleton. Okay. But Paul Rudd, you're on... I'm putting you on blast, you, ug, you ugly piece of shit. Okay. But that whole point is invalid because you started with the Red Skull being a superhero. Yeah, no, look. Look, I... Look, I thought the exact same thing while I was saying it, but you know, I said, you know, I'm already, I'm already going down this road. Uh, why bother? You Look, know, if I, if I try and veer off, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna crash into an ambulance and die like Doctor Reeves. Finn, we are speaking on the internet, and you made a slight, understandable, and easily decipherable error. Yep. And as you know, uh, it, means- it's, it's not like anyone has ever used uh, the, the term superhero and comic book characters interchangeably. Yeah, and. I'm the first one to ever do that, and I apologize. I just, I'd, I'd like it. Hugo Weaving. It's Bird Skull in theaters now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How, anyway, old Hugo. Yeah. Old, uh. uh well, what's his character in Cloud Atlas Club? The, the. <laughs> which one? <laughs> which, you know which one. <laughs> uh, the. Yeah. Uh, character in Cloud Atlas. Uh, I don't know. All I can think right now is the yellow face. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone. Okay. Hey, Finn. Finn, come into the recommendation cave. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I'll be here in a second. Check out, check out Cloud Atlas. Oh, you've been wondering why the Wachowskis and Tom Tickford. I mean, what, what are the alternatives? You might be talking about the book. Book, book. The book is also good. Yeah, but it's not a movie. Yeah, but it's by David Mitchell. Yeah. Who? No, not that. No, no, no. That, that's not David Mitchell. David Mitchell from Peep Show. Yeah. And Would I Lie to You. And also directed It Follows. <laughs> yep. And wrote Number Nine Dream, The Thousand Autumns of Jacob Dessert, uh, Cloud Atlas. Yeah. Like and Anne Hedwig and the Angry Edge. It's John Cameron Mitchell. And everyone else the brother. David Mitchell's brother. Yeah. yeah. No, of course. Um, there's just one David Mitchell. The David Mitchell. It's time. Okay, so if you were to rank the... the, 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 the if, you were to, if you were to rank the three David Mitchells... I do like all three Davids Mitchell. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I've not read Cloud Atlas or any of uh, David Mitchell's other books, but... Yeah, sorry. But like, oh, I, I like the movie enough that I'm sure that I would like the book as well. Just, just what... Just while we're in the recommendation case, oh, yeah. I'd like to recommend uh, 
I, last year I read all of David Mitchell's novels, books, full stop, in, in publication order, and it was a really rewarding experience. It sounds great, I might have to try that. Yeah. Um, that, that, that. <laughs> my heart says uh, novelist, filmmaker, comedian, but I do love it. I'd have to leave the novelist out for the moment. Okay. I think I'm going to have to be film, filmmaker, comedian. I think David Mitchell, comedian, obviously fantastic. Yeah. Love, uh, I, I love the idea of Peep Show. I can't watch it because it makes me too uncomfortable. Um, ben Mitchell Whitlock is very funny. He's great on ham shows. Uh, but I mean, like, David Mitchell, the director, made It Follows, which is uh, one of the serious movies he ever made. I once had, uh, one, the first time I watched that, uh, I got so scared, uh, I, I stopped watching it for two years. <laughs> um, and he also made Under the Silver Lake, uh, which I think is uh, uh, good. good. I think it's good. I, yeah, I, I can't watch that film again because I think it will be bad, but I think it's good. But, uh, but, but, but you thought it was bad after the first time you watched it. Yeah, but then I changed my mind. <laughs> um, that was one of the conversations where I was like, you should have a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, fuck. No, of course. Kill, gotta kill ourselves. Yeah. No, but more importantly, fuck, Mary kill, David Mitchell, David Mitchell, <laughs> David Mitchell. We are 30 seconds into this movie. <laughs> yeah. We are over two hours into the record. We are 30 seconds into the second movie. We are just under two hours <laughs> to record it. I think you're lying to me. <laughs> no, we got about minutes. It's a matter of, it's a handful of yeah. Um So, uh, Paul Rudd. No, Eva. Yeah, yeah. Longoria. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's different when you know you're going to be editing Um <laughs> But yeah, Eva Longoria at her wedding, bossing people around. Stephen Root turns up with the art sculpture, as yes. we've discussed. It's supposed to be an angel, but it has no wings. Where's its wings? Oh, it's an angel. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, um, angels don't need wings because they're, they're, they're like metaphysical beings. You need like you need wings to like to like flap on air, but angels yeah. aren't engaging with air. So yeah. like, why do they need wings, you uh, stupid idiot? Yeah, long story short. Yeah. Uh, uh, then to prove how dumb she is, uh, he murders her with a sculpture. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, okay, it's, 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 it's negligent homicide. But, uh, he's drunk driving his truck with the ice sculpture on the, the ice, back. With the ice sculpture standing just upright <laughs> in the back of an open pickup truck. Yeah. And... And he's he's backing away, and he's going to run over her gardenias. Yeah. And so she runs around the back of this truck, in in all like the the the, 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 the opening. The op- okay, so like the opening of a matter of life and death, bit convenient. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. But, but this movie goes so much fucking further in like this is like a Final Destination movie. <laughs> the, 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 op- the opening of. <laughs> The, the okay. opening sequence is a fucking Final Destination movie, uh, and, but but not enjoyable. And then, so the ice sculpture of the angel falls and crushes her, and she wakes up in heaven, which is a white void with a you know a day player there being like, "Hi, I'm an angel." Looks at her back; she has no wings, and this is the moment when you're like, "Fucking obviously." The movie's going to end with her getting wings. I mean, it's so inevitable. They're, they're telegraphing the shit out of it. We're calling it right now. She's going to get wings. It's going to be the final shot of the movie. She's going to get wings. I mean, uh, like maybe there's one shot after it. May- like it's, maybe. It's inevitable. Definitely. Um, I called up the TAB and bet my life savings uh, on this outcome. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they accepted the bet. I presumed you'd a clerical error. Uh, I, 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 called up, I called up Jeff Lowell and said, I've got your number, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Call you, yourself a master of the kinema. You rat bastard. I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you're doing. I've 
I've, um, I've had you pegged from a word go. You can't get anything past me. But um, yeah, blah blah blah. Stand set up. Uh, you're a ghost now, but you can't move into the afterlife because you've got unfinished business on Earth. Yep. Um, of course, later in the film, we learn out that she doesn't. Uh, it's not really her business. No. Um, and then cut to I mean, her, her unfinished business is to realize that like like you got to stop. You got to get out of people's. You got to stop. Yeah getting into other people's business and uh who is it uh, and then cut to uh, a psychic medium having a, a, a psychic time uh, yeah. with, with, with it's, it's it's totally psychic um uh, and, and who is it that's right they couldn't afford jennifer garner it's lake bell um <laughs> i think that's a bit rude to lake bell frankly i think it's a compliment to them both yeah no you're right it is dear lake <laughs> uh Atutha, how are you? I hope you're doing well. I'm fine. Dear Lake, comma, Camp Crystal, <laughs> why, why do teens keep getting murdered at you? <laughs> <laughs> it's been 40 years. Surely just teens just stop going anywhere near you. This is, it's basically their fault at this point. Uh, and Lake Bell is, you know, she's the protagonist of a. a Comantic romedy, um, and what? And so she's she's clumsy. She's all over the place. She's got a bay a a bay guest friend, who also. It's the role of a gay best friend. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie where Dan Stevens just goes to the beach for a while. The bay guest. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him the cake. Check out the guest. And the same birthday as Michael Monroe. (laughs) (laughs) So. Also, I've I've said before about the guest, I'm going to say it again. The guest has all the things you need in a movie. It has has shirtless Dan Stevens, it has Michael Monroe and knee socks, it's got synth pop, it's got violence. Like, literally, what else do you need? I would like Keanu Reeves to have an existential crisis as well. I want to flag now because um, since recording last week's episode about William and Theodore's uh, bogus traversal. Yeah, and also some other movie that, that I, I forget the name of. It was the Kiss from a Rose music video. Yeah, I, I always forget movies, but we're on the, the shite list anyway. <laughs> um, well, like, you know, we got to update. I just want you to know I have seen Bill and Ted face the music. Finn has not yet. I feel like it's worthy of a full discussion, mainly so I can list the multiple times I cried, one of which entries on that list is just the last 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm, seeing, um, uh, I'm seeing a uh, Bill and Ted's marathon uh, tomorrow, and on the next episode, we will probably spend a lot of time talking about uh, the Bill and Ted's trilogy and how Face for Music um, uh, 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 completes it and adds to it. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll save that. Yeah. Uh, to the point where maybe this should not be Oh man, this podcast. Look, you don't have to worry. I'm doing this one. Yeah. So this episode's going to be four hours long. <laughs> I mean, cool. <laughs> it's your choice. Hey, Peter, Bill and Ted's Face the Music is a legit contender for my film of the year. Uh, so, Lady, oh, yeah, we see no, Lady no, Bell, no. she's giving a psychic reading. Uh, she's obviously uh, not a very good uh, pretend psychic. Yeah. Uh, she, she she keeps asking the person she's giving a ring to, um, I'm, I'm, seeing a, I'm seeing a boat. The person says, I don't have a boat. And she says, you sure you didn't have a boat? Yeah. 
Maybe, maybe you forgot about the boat. Now, it does sound like uh, possibly quite an amusing event in a film, but the interesting choice that I respect that old um, the director, whose name I don't need to say here, um, has made... Well, so he, the, he's also a writer, and it's, it's important yeah, yeah. to know that, that, um, that, that, that he wrote such uh, uh, classics of cinema as uh, John Tucker Must Die and oh, Hotel yeah. for Dogs, oh, yeah. and also a Minions, uh, a minions short uh, called... Uh, called John Yellow, Tucker for Dogs. Short called Yellow is the New Black. Oh. Uh, about minions being in prison. Uh, so uh, someone should assassinate me immediately, uh, so I don't have to keep thinking about what that might entail. Um, but like the interesting thing, especially considering his role as both writer and director, par excellence. Um, also, the- this is the only movie he directed. <laughs> Yeah, no. Just when you no, it's just like Jean Vigo. He he made one. He made one feature film. Yeah, it's on. It's on the side and sound list. And he died. No, I. If you make a masterpiece, you break your tools. You yeah. know, like how could you follow this film? I mean, pretty pretty easily. It's pretty visible. Yeah. Could, following the like, you could. I, I I was looking at my phone for most of the movie, and I, I managed to follow it. <laughs> um. Uh, but who who's this? Oh, and uh, Jason Biggs is 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 her gay best friend. Yeah, uh, so doing some that, comedy business yeah, in the kitchen. That, that, they like they run a catering business together. They like so like Jason Biggs is in the kitchen cooking while she is like in the other room giving a psychic reading. I mean, she goes over to help him because he's actually not that good at cook, yeah. despite being a homosexual who we all know are excellent cooks. That's yeah. what they're good at. They know about fashion. They know about cooking. Uh, they know about. Uh, uh, being sassy, hmm. being very strange. Yeah, you know that. Like I, I believe that you know sexuality is a is a part of every person that you know expresses in different ways. But mm. I think the thing we can agree on is that queer people of all kinds in mm. LGBTQIA plus all incredible chefs, and that is why people like Nigella Lawson and Gordon Ramsay and Jamie Oliver who are um, basically kind of camp portrayals of heterosexuality um, in human form are so noteworthy. It's not it's not because they're actually good. It's because they're the best a straight person yeah. could be. Um, and, like, congrats to Nigella for that. Like, she's trying her best, but probably too busy thinking about whatever straight people think about. I don't Like, RVs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no. So straight people only think about the movie RV starring Robin Williams and Jojo. Yeah. Who? Oh. Not, Do you know who else is in that movie? Who's it? Who's, <laughs> no, who's it okay. Was it directed by Barry Sonnenfeld? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, I know that it came out when I was at the video store, so I know that. Um, oh, man, they have not a, done a good SEO job on RV. No. RV, IMDB. Oh, I've... Oh, Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, right. I was just about to say Cheryl Hines, who's like... Who is also in it. Really? Yeah. Oh. Let's have this for a second in your pocket as a cast. So, hey, do you want to see a film? It's a nice family comedy. But director of Men in Black? And Men in Black, too. Um, You star robin williams yep. the genie himself call him Mork. <laughs> from Ork. cheryl hines great josh hutcherson i don't hate him uh jeff yeah, he, he's he's fine in zephyra yeah jeff daniels Kristen chenoweth oh the, jeff daniels the newsroom himself <laughs> will arnett tony hale 
Like, what a laugh a minute yeah. is going to be. It's a, that's a solid cast. Um, oh, and Barry Sonnenfeld himself appears in the film. Matthew Gray Goobler. Oh, from Horse Girl. Yeah, and uh, from, Criminal from, Minds and yeah. directing a Killers music video. Mm-hmm. That's very upsetting information to discover in my brain. Um, <laughs> it's not upsetting. He seems fine. Um, no, he seems like a bit of a fuckboy, I think. Let's talk through the cast of RV about now, how do, much do, of do, a fuckboy they are. So do you, do you know what RV stands for? It, isn't it a joke? It, yeah, so usually RV stands for recreational vehicle, and it means a sort of uh, big like camper van. Yeah. But on the poster it says RV underneath it says runaway vacation because this vacation is just getting away from old Robin Williams so do you think Jeff Daniels is a fuck boy uh no I think I think if anything that's his problem Jeff Daniels strikes me as someone who could afford to 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 fuck yeah, I, I I think he is someone who like has fully internalized the character that he played on the newsroom and is like, I just want to be this guy now. Yeah, I want to be Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, I want to be um Will McAvoy. Oh, yeah, no. isn't it sad that I knew that? I like I'm in a long term relationship with a room head, <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, there's no greater strain on our relationship than having to deal with. Okay, so. If, 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 if if you're just like talking about a, like a, a fan of of newsroom called Roomheads, but if if you're talking about a fan of a newsroom who you're in a you're in a relationship with, they're called Roomios. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> and see, but who knock knock knock? Who's that at the door? Uh, it's some woman. Uh, she's brought her brother, who's recently mourning the loss. Yeah, uh, and it's, uh, her, her, her name is Chloe. She's played yeah. by an actress called Lindsay Sloan. Um, who, like, you certainly recognize, and you can't tell it's because... Because um, she, she just looks like Melanie Linsky. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'd spend this whole film thinking about how much more I'd enjoy this film if Melanie Linsky was in it. Yeah, we spend a fair amount of our runtime just like, just recasting the movie. Yeah. I mean, we both agree that Lake Bell's character should have been played by Judy Greer. Yeah. And, and, and Lindsay Sloan's character should have been played by Melanie Linsky. And I don't know, it wouldn't have made it a good movie, but it would have made it a lot more watchable. I, yeah. But yeah, it's like I'm here. Come have a psychic. Fucking come have a, like. Here is the fucking thing about this film. As much as I love it, and it's an avowed masterpiece of cinema, mm. um, it, it's every bit of it is boring, <laughs> <laughs> and not and boring in a way that's that goes beyond like wow this is boring in a like the interesting kind of almost hypnotic begotten way yeah but it's boring in like the faintly irritating someone is telling a long anecdote you've heard before way. yeah it's like th- th- this this isn't this isn't the worst movie that we've watched for the, for the show so yeah. far but it is the movie that I, I least wanted to continue watching but it is just it's just a cavalcade of unamusing events and it is like each scene you can understand how you could get a comic set piece out of it yeah. like uh, the seance that is fake but starts being real is great. It's so great. It's one of the best bits of Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus journey. Yeah, like oh, like what? Last night I watched the Con Brothers movie Intolerable Cruelty, which is also a romantic comedy that I don't think is that funny. Sorry, a comedic romance. Oh, sorry, yes, it, it, it's romantic. Uh, comedy. I, I believe you called it a, 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 a comedy romantic earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is romantic romantic. Intolerable Cruelty is, is a comedy romantic, but it isn't. But isn't funny. But like there is there. There's an, there's enough sort of like happening in the movie, and there's there's enough like the, the leads are still like all charming enough that it's able to like 
keep you like at, at least engaged. Yeah, it, whereas like this movie just fails to to do that. Anyway, I, like, I find that film funnier than you, but yeah. I don't disagree with the. the I think, I think there there's one really funny joke in Intolerable Cruelty. Is it starting with just that extended close up on George Clooney's teeth being bleached? <laughs> I, I, I like I like that a lot, but it's it's in the like the, the final scene in like the boardroom yeah. where where Cameron Taylor Jones and, and George Clooney like I like argue about who tried to kill the other one. And, and Richard Jenkins is like, hey, none of you tried to kill the other. There's a simple burglary gone wrong. He he he, he broke into your house, and while, while he was there, he started regretting his life choices, and he, and he offed himself. <laughs> and, like, and like Richard Jenkins can sell pretty much any fucking joke. Richard Jenkins is so fucking funny. Who would know that those <laughs> wee Cohen boys could craft a joke? Oh, Stephen God, Roots so, in so... that film, surely he is. It feels like a movie he'd be in, but I I, I, I don't I don't think. Um, but like so, like the film goes exactly mm. as you would fucking expect it. Lake Bell and Paul Rudd like have chemistry, and then she st- then Eva Longoria appears as a ghost to Lake Bell and is like, "Leave my boyfriend alone." There's a lot of attempted comic set pieces around Eva Longoria trying to use her ghost powers to interfere with Lake Bell, which we yeah. kept whenever this happened. We kept talking about how much more fun this version of the film would be if it had any teeth, you know? Yes. Like, the worst thing is Eva Longoria gets um, a parrot to peck her. Yeah. And you're like, no, you should be sitting like dogs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> at, at one point, um, uh, Lake Bell and Paul Rod, they go for, like, a romantic getaway for a week and they go to, like, a cabin in the woods or whatever, starring Richard Jenkins. They're, like, about to have sex, and then Eva Longoria uh, makes Lake Bell think that uh, that Paul Rudd is farting a lot. Yeah. And it's just, like, a 40-second long scene of of just, like, fart noises coming in, coming from the direction of Paul Rudd, and Lake Bell standing in the doorway, just sort of going, huh? I think I'm uh, just just giving like the least the the, the the like least exaggerated reactions to like highly exaggerated fart sounds. Yeah, and, and like it's, not, it's just it's just nothing. And it, it manages like fart noises. I think there is good meta comedy, and like they go on too long. Yeah, and like this doesn't even have the smart idea of it going on way too long. <laughs> you know, it, it just every bit of this film is a misfire, um, which is part of what makes it. A sincerely brilliant film, um, but it's just a lot of stuff like that. the The thing I want to really dwell on is that the twist with Jason Biggs' character. Oh God, mm. I just remember. There's a scene where Jason Biggs, the gay best friend, is uh, helping Lake Bell try on clothes. Yeah. So of course she starts the scene in her underwear. Yes, because this is Star Trek Into Darkness, and it's just. Yeah, we talked a lot. This film um, has a lot, which uh, you know, for the dads in the audience, lads, um, where it just kind of mercilessly is like, oh, look, Lake Bell, she's in a dress now. She's just going to, like, genuine upskirting. Yeah. It, <laughs> in a way that uh, is both, like, it's both pathetic and upsetting, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because it's, like, there are fewer attempts at, like, adding a bit of, like, or oh, a bit of sex that are less successful, but there's just a real sense of like hatred and like like the clothing changing scene ends with Lake Bell being like, Does does my does my ass look bigger than this? And then just a massive close up on 
yeah, you know. Yeah. And then Jason Biggs being like, whoa, I don't... Uh, but anyway. Yeah. And it, this is a movie which is like constantly like accidentally funny games you. Yeah. Every time you're like, oh yeah, Lake Bell are. I like looking at Lake Bell. She, 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 she's, she's really attractive. It'll, it'll like upskirt her or like yeah. just do some other like gross thing. And he's like, oh right, yeah. Well, and no, it, no thank you. And it, it, it's just... It's so gross. <laughs> but then we learn, because obviously, uh, as you can work out, Paul Rudd and Lake Bell get together, but then she finds a MacGuffin that breaks them up because it's the bit of the film where Shrek and Donkey aren't friends yes. anymore. Um, and so Jason Biggs, who's been her gay best friend for five years, tries to kiss her and is like, I've been pretending to be gay for five years. Yeah, he's like, uh, I really liked you when, when, I, when I first met you and, you know, I was, I was waiting to make my move and then you started to think I was gay because I was only to make my move and so I just committed to, to being gay and I was just waiting for an opportunity to come back around. So then Jason Biggs has this big speech which is like, it just shows how much I love you and we were talking about how this is like an incredible villain moment. <laughs> And you're like, okay, well, at least he's gone from the film now. But no, the film intends to kind of redeem him. Yeah, well, he, he, is, he, he, he like does this, this big speech where he talks about like how much he hates cooking. And he, you know, I paid a hundred dollars, I paid one hundred seventy-five dollars for the shirt. I, I hate the shirt, and I pay a hundred dollars for his haircut. And I hate this haircut. And he talks about all, all the things he has to like do to keep up appearances yeah. of being of being the, the gay best friend. Yeah, and how much he, how much he. This film was made in two thousand and eight. Yeah, like. And it just, and then like, um, her response to that is to be ang- anno- a little annoyed, mm. not upset. Um, when it's in fact a massive, it's sort of hard to think of like a, a bigger betrayal that doesn't involve a crime. Well, there is, like, I feel like there's a scene. I did want her to be like, but you watched me undress. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's so flatly morally unacceptable. You presume someone had did it in crash. Um, <laughs> and what happens is they get together. Yeah. In the bit where you'll never guess, because uh, this invented it for comantic romedies, old Paul Rudd has to run and stop like Bell leaving on a plane. Oh, but like, first of all, there's like there's like a montage set to a pop song of the two of them like being sad apart, and then they both go on dates with people, but the dates are bad, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then at, at the end of one of her bad dates, Jason Biggs uh, comes up to Lake Bell and tries to like explain why he did what he did, which he basically just says what he already said in the previous scene. Yeah. And again, this is another scene where, like, if it was was portrayed by um as a ranting um madman yeah. who is now clearly the villain and threat of the film would be an interesting dramatic decision yeah but, but the film no, is no, like no, no. like super sympathetic to him and i just and that's why i think that the what makes this a true highlight of the cinema of, of filmmaking in general for me is the fact that more so even i think than the test mm. This film reveals that the author behind it has a twisted and dark view of uh, humanity and relationships. Yeah. Because um, the scene where you obviously, there's a scene where Ava Longoria um, learns to let Paul Rudd go. Um, it takes about 30 seconds uh, and it's just like, yeah, oh, we the, need to have that scene Like now. this is the thing the whole movie has been building up to yeah. and there is no weight given to it by, by the film when it actually happens. Yeah. Like her, her, her decision to stop the Manning Lake Bell and to like, and like her realisation that the thing that will make um, uh, Paul Rudd, the man she loves the happiest, yeah. is if she like lets him be with Lake Bell. Her, her realisation of that is her going, oh, I guess I should let them be together. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's just that's it. it. 
I mean, when Stephen Root walks off and he he vanishes because his because he, he was a ghost as well. And his whole thing was. Uh, it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't in, matter. No, and penance for murdering her with his car <laughs> yeah. and his ice sculpture, he had to help her get onto the right path. Yeah, and that was his unfinished business. Um, which is like revealing that the path into the afterlife is just a chain of favors you have to do. <laughs> Which means that, like, heaven is going to be empty if one person is a little obstinate, yep. you know? Um, but what it, I The thing I really want to talk about is that, yeah, Eva Longoria tries to find all these ways to fuck with, like, Belle. And I just kept thinking about how, and Eva Longoria uh, in spectral form can interact with animals, was how much I wanted it just escalate <laughs> like yeah. i want i wanted a scene where lake bell comes home from smooching old rude um and, and there's a tiger yeah <laughs> and that she very quickly has I was like, to oh, I'm, I'm gonna do i'm gonna do do a, a, a re-edit of this film where i just splice in cr- clips from grizzly man <laughs> or tookie bookie yes. <laughs> oh, <Christ. laughs> can we get this footage can we get the footage of Werner Herzog listening to the tape <laughs> and then put the whole soundtrack of <laughs> over my over her dead body yeah. and then and just make sure that the end's like you must never listen to this and <laughs> destroy this tape. Um it, and the idea that she has to keep start just killing every animal she sees. But this because Paul Rudd's character is a vet. So, like, this film ending with, like, a face down being like, I can't be with you if you keep killing animals. And she's like, well, I can't be with you until your ghost ex stops sending them after me. And then, like, the final shot. Yeah, like, that's a real conflict you have to deal with. (laughs) But it also, like, that conflict. Like, he he wants to love this woman, but she keeps murdering animals, the the other thing that he loves. (laughs) And she loves this man, but she can't stop murdering animals until his ghost ex stops using them to torment her. Like, that's... That's that's a film, but like also that thing that we're describing. I would pay I would pay twenty dollars to see that in IMAX. Yeah, IMAX is made for animal attacks. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but like that thing, like that conflict that we're describing there, seems more interesting and in a way more pertinent and connected to the idea of relationships than the f- than the film actually does. You know? Y- yeah. Um, it's very, and I just I just would have like this film a lot more if it was if it had ended with a with you know like bell drenched in blood yeah. out of a of a vet's two out of a vet's office out of his vet's office with two katanas slung over her back you know so vet you're in the decision oh, no no because we haven't talked about the end of a movie yet oh fuck that's right because there's a lot of awful stuff left to go okay I wasn't in the cave nope um, okay, so uh, v- v- I'm back. I haven't just run from a cave. <laughs> so uh, Lake Bell and Jason Biggs are now together. They're going off to Vegas for a weekend because uh, that's what people do in movies when uh, when uh, they're in a relationship. Yeah, um, you need someone to run to an airport. 
Yeah, and so, um, so, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, so, Evil Longoria uh, uses uh, Paul Rudd's parrot to tell him uh, to go after Lake Bell, and so he takes a parrot to the airport. They go to the airport. And there's some not very funny hijinks at security. <laughs> no, we don't need to put not very funny. Yeah, there's not. There's, there's almost no hijinks at security, and they he he gets to the gate where where Lake Bell and Jason Biggs are, and uh, he he you know he he tells Lake Bell, oh you know I I love you and 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 uh, and evil and Gru's ghost is like yeah no i i give you guys permission to to, to bone down or whatever yeah. and uh, and and jason biggs um uh, paul, paul rod's like now his recurring joke is saying i'm not gay yeah it's like paul rod's like hey why are you with jason biggs isn't he gay and and jason biggs is like no i'm not gay i wasn't gay and then there's uh, uh, there is a uh, uh, there is a very camp man leaning against a pillow right next to him who <laughs> just goes well, I think someone doth protest too much. Uh, whose second joke is the lady's like, oh, you're not gay, I'm not gay. It's just the mo- 2008. The 2008. Film. It is. This, is. this is like four years post-boat trip. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like, uh, so, so Paul Rudd and Lake Bell four get... Four years post <laughs> Sorry. So it was four A-B-T. <laughs> So, um, Paul Rod and Lake Bell, they, they get back together, uh, cuts to their wedding, where a man who looks like a movie dad is yeah. walking Lake Bell down the aisle. Um, he looks like, uh, John Slattery's stand-in is his yeah. look, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he looks like a, a blander version of John Slattery. Yeah, John Slattery. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, like, um... So the the wedding fucking happens while she is uh, walking down with John Slattery, uh, um, uh, the aisle. She stops and then goes to the back row where Eva Longoria's ghost and uh, she. We get a, m- a mini one, one of many hilarious match cuts where she's talking to Eva Longoria's ghost, and then we see what everyone else seeing, which is she's talking to Thinia, but on yep. the wedding day, and it looks. Crazy, and then she gets back. She goes up the aisle, and then uh, Jason Biggs and Lindsay Sloan are sitting next to each other, and then uh, they're they're like hitting off for no reason, and then uh, they start making out, and then like because so like I just want to emphasize how unacceptable. <laughs> Well, it, it, it gets it gets less acceptable because, like, okay, so they, they, they pull run late bell, get married, movies over, right? You see, Eva Longoria, she like walks off, supposedly to go to heaven, and and we said, okay, now she's going to get her wings, right? That's obviously the movie set up right in the very yep. first scene. Yep. This will end with her getting her wings. They mentioned it twice. Yeah, Rule you see, you see, you see, J- Jason Biggs and Lindsay Sloan walk out of the wedding together. Eva Longoria fades off. Now we're back back in the like white void room in heaven. No one else is there. She's just all alone by herself, and she's just like, "Hey, what's going on?" Oh, no. the, 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 the woman who was there originally is like there, and then she fades away, and everyone goes just by herself in this room. Yeah. And she's like, "Hey, what's going on? What's happening? Where is everyone?" And then the film just goes to black <laughs> credits. And so, like, what the film fucking does at the end is it redeems this like shitbag who lied to his best friend for five years so he could like so he could like see her naked under false pretenses like a fucking scumbag. It gives it gives him like a new girlfriend, and like he's 
he's at the wedding of this person. <laughs> that, like, it's fucking nuts. But, like, it, it does that to him, this objectively bad person. <laughs> yeah. And then it takes a person who's like, whose character arc in this movie has been like learning to like let go and be a better person and to like let the person that she loves experience the happiness that she wants them to experience. And yeah. then at the end of the movie, she is fucking punished. <laughs> and like, it, it is like implied that she is just like trapped in a fucking white blank room for the rest of eternity. She's she's just in hell. She, and like and like at, at the end of the movie, you just have this fucking woman who just spent an hour and a half learning to be a better person. She's trapped in hell for the rest of eternity. Movie over. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Um, fucking trash. You know, I'm going to take it down another half a star on Letterboxd right now. Uh, this is going from one star to half a star. Just remembering the end of this fucking movie. Because like, I watched the end of the movie and was like, oh, that was bad. But I didn't fully process yeah. what the movie is saying until right this instant. Uh, fuck this movie so much. Um, the credits have an interesting touch, which I appreciate in spirit which is that it says a film by and then has the all the credits it's a film mm. by everyone but it is very easy to see this credit a film by come up with no name underneath <laughs> and be like oh that explains a lot there was no one at the helm yeah this is what happened when people get in the room like we've got to shoot a scene quickly but like of course we, we know that that's not the case because like this is obviously a jeff lowell film you you, <laughs> you can feel his directorial step on every frame yeah <laughs> Give it ten years, and people are going to be complaining about uh, about Jeff Lowell's signature color palette, <laughs> and we're going to be like, "No, guys, he's an auteur. It's, this is this is what a Jeff Lowell film looks like. Yeah. Why can't you understand a true artist?" So yeah, of all the films we've seen, including ones I like less, yeah, this is the one that felt the most like it was personally wasting my time. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, it felt. So I guess what I'm saying is that I find it shite. I agree with you that this film is shite. This is the fifth film ever that I've ever rated uh, half a star. Oh, yeah. Forget No, Loquisha. The Test. Artemis Fowl. Uh, 365 Days. This one. Uh, so you can find me uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, online uh, uh, at Youth Lives, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, Bebo. LinkedIn. Yeah, he's bringing it back. <laughs> First face. Where can people find you? Who cares where you can find me? Um, I, yeah. I will have hopefully changed it uh, yeah. by the time. Um, uh, you can find the show on Twitter at, uh, at ShiteSoundPod, and you can email us at uh, ShiteSoundPod at uh, gmail.com. And check out our website, ShiteAndSound.com. Yes. We we have a website now. <laughs> we have a website. Well, we do, like... The the RSS feed has it. Uh, move, what move, are you gonna do? What are you? Uh, movies are good. Okay. What do you? What are if, if, bad ones? If, if, Sorry, I didn't catch that. I spoke of you. Let's get a clean take. Movies are good. Sorry, no, I just even <laughs> if, even bad movies are good. I know you're trying to bully me more, <laughs> and uh, I'm not gonna let it affect me because I've already developed this catchphrase. <laughs> movies are good, even bad ones. Go watch them. I should remember the name of the young child who played in the, the Doctor as a young boy, but anyway, it doesn't.
Eventually he's going to turn into a scat break. I'm going to deflect all the assassin's bullets that are coming at us. Michael Jones. Perfect. Great job, us. 